today we're just going to talk about resumes and honestly right now is a great time to think about your resume because we don't know what's going to happen and if you find yourself in a position where you do need a new job in a week or two or a month having a resume is going to pay dividends so i thought that's where we'd kind of start our lunch and learn program with just how to write a resume to start with the question becomes do i need a resume for a part-time job and the simple answer is no, you, you don't. It's not necessarily expected by most part-time employers. However, it is a fantastic way to kind of get ahead on things. So if you're looking for that way to really stand out and kind of a sea of people, a resume is a great way to do it. It is very professional looking. It's going to communicate that you are a professional and it's going to uh, be something different. So when I was a hiring manager, we would have just hundreds of applications come in and they just sit on my desk and start flipping through them when I'd have time. And when resumes kind of stuck out of those applications, it made a difference. It showed that they were very interested in this job, they are very professional, and it was something I didn't see a lot of, so it made me notice, uh, especially good resumes. Good resumes really made you notice. Now, in that time, uh, online has become significantly more popular for job hunting. However, most online places allow you to attach a resume still. So no matter if you're looking for a part-time job in person or online, having a resume is going to really pay off and really distinguish you. Now, if you're wondering, well, I'm not, I'm looking for a full-time job. Do I need a resume? The answer is absolutely. Anytime you're looking for full-time employment, you should have a resume. It's just expected as a hiring manager. It's expected human resources. It won't necessarily prevent you from getting the job if you don't have one, but it's certainly going to make it harder. So make sure you have a solid resume if you want full-time employment. So you may be wondering, what are the steps? How, how do I start? And honestly, I think this is probably one of the things that stops people from having resumes is that kind of overwhelming feeling of formatting and what to put. There's the right words and the wrong words. And I think people kind of get lost before they ever start. And I think the real trick and the most important thing is to just start. Brainstorm. I remember if you're in, when you're in middle school, you used to have brainstorming sessions before you write a paper. This is the exact same concept. Just start writing. I always do it in Microsoft Word because that's ultimately what I'm going to use it in. But if you're just sitting at the kitchen table and you have a napkin or a paper plate, that's fine too. Just start. Don't worry about the format. Don't worry about spelling or anything like that. Just start writing down the very basics. Write down the company you worked for. Write down the start date, the end date, the responsibilities that you may have had under that company. And it's going to make this process a lot easier if you just start with a brainstorm situation. Next in the brainstorm, you're going to move on to things like major life accomplishments, major awards that you've won, educational accomplishments, trainings, things that you're very proud of that you think may fit somewhere on a resume. Throw it in in this kind of next section. As I said, it's just brainstorming. We can always come back and edit it, change it, or just completely remove it. But a lot of times it's easier to have stuff and have too much stuff than trying to figure out how to make a full page out of a resume. Next, basically, if you can't remember everything, right, it's hard sometimes, right, because you've worked there 10 years ago or you have a lot of responsibilities and how do you whittle them down? 
The truth is, there's a couple tricks to this. First, you can go to the company's website, Indeed page, Facebook page, find a job or your job specifically, and find the job description or the posting for that job. It's kind of a lot of details about what is what you did and kind of what they were looking for. And so you can just copy and paste that, put that on Microsoft Word or write it down on your brainstorm and move on. Again, you don't have to wordsmith or anything like that at this point. This is just purely data collection. If you're confused about when you started or when you quit, you can certainly go and call human resources. And this is actually kind of an important step because as an employer, I'm going to call and confirm those things, right? You tell me you started in May, you ended in August, I'm going to call and confirm that. And so if we start seeing data doesn't connect and they say, no, you know, he or she actually started in August and left in September, it's kind of a red flag. So make sure if you don't know the exact dates or the exact months, just go and call human resources and confirm it. And as far as awards go and special accomplishments, if you can't remember all those, there's a couple different things you can do. One of them is ask your mom, ask your dad, brothers, sisters, aunts, uncles, grandmas, the people that are your cheerleaders. Ask them what major accomplishments you've had either career-wise or in your personal life. And I assure you, your family will be able to list way more than you'll ever be able to. So it's a great place to start and you'll get a lot of feedback. If you can't find anything there, go to your childhood room. A lot of times we'll hang awards and stuff like that on there from high school and right when we get out of, you know, if we have post-secondary schools. A great place to find those things as well. And you'll get those things that kind of build your resume. Now, here's where the fun part kind of begins. We have a resume, right? We have this giant word or napkin or whatever it's written on, and it's time to whittle it down. As a general statement, you want a one-page resume because if you have a two-page, a five-page resume, or a one-page resume, the hiring person is going to spend the exact same amount of time looking at it. They're just going to look at the content less. So we want to, unless we've had just an incredible career that's all connected to the next job we're looking for, get it down to one page. And if you have been in the career less than 10 years, has to be one page. We got to find a way to get it down. So that's what this step is all about. Let's get it to a one page resume. And the top of that resume should be your name and contact information. And I think people are going to be amazed at how long we talk about this here because it is crucially important and People sometimes skip over this step a little bit, but this is kind of your pizzazz, right? This is what's going to make your resume look different than the resumes next to you or in the pile. Um, this resume is um, going to be different. The, the, the very top of it, if you just throw your name up there and black and white versus if you do some lines or a box or something like that, it, it says a lot about you. And although the uh, employer may not spend a lot of time thinking about, well, what does two lines mean under their name versus one? They will notice that it looks more clean and polished when you do a good top of the page. So uh, I like some kind of shape at the top. There are examples on Facebook Live that we're doing right now. There's a little box with the initials next to the name. There's a giant thick line with the name on top of it and the address and stuff under it. And then there's the, the last example I have is someone's name in bold and then a line, their address and information like that, another line. And then and their contact information, email, and phone number. I, I don't think there's really a wrong way to do this. It's really personal taste. As long as it's somewhat simplistic, it does not draw too much away from the resume. It doesn't take up too much room. You know, one of the things that I see is people's photos on it. I guess that might be appropriate if you were in a sales position. It would make me nervous just as a way to discriminate 
for those of you who know me, I'm a big man. I work in the YMCA for almost 20 years. So the idea of posting a photo on a resume would seem like a way to discriminate against me for a health, uh, you know, a health company and vice versa. If you, whatever, if you're a protected uh, class, uh, if that's by race, gender, um, whatever age, whatever the case might be, a photo is going to give people an opportunity to kind of say, let their bias sneak in. And we don't want that. So I, I would avoid that part, but I would definitely do some kind of cool header for your name and phone number contact information should be up there right so you got your name it should be your legal name or at least the name you go by or close to your legal name i wouldn't want to put like bubba whirland on my resume although that's not my nickname but but i wouldn't want to put something like that i would want to make sure that it sounded professional so whatever your name is uh, if it's your birth name or the name you go by you know some you know my, my wife's name is katie but she goes by kate i think i think that's fine putting kate up there but i yes i wouldn't want to put some kind of odd nickname for her so you start with that then you move on to your phone number it is Vitally important that that is correct. Uh, as a hiring manager, I always got really frustrated when I'd start calling people and their numbers say disconnected or not be available. You want to make sure that your voicemail is set up and then you check it. You'd be amazed the number of people that I call, left a message for a job, and never heard back from them. Um, the, the other thing is, I think to remember, I have, as a hiring manager, probably 100 applications. If I really like you, I might call you twice, even a third time, but that's all you get. Once you typically leave a voicemail, I'm done. In fact, even when I had resumes, uh, I would write that. I'd put voicemail on X date. I'd put voicemail on X date. After two, if I had not heard from you, I just moved on. I, I had other things to do. Good, bad, or ugly, I probably miss some good people that way, but I think that's how most hiring managers work. You know, we're not hired. We Our jobs are not necessarily to hire people. It's to oversee programs and oversee things, and so uh, we don't, don't have a lot of time to mess with hiring people who don't want to return calls. And then finally, make sure your email is professional. I'll talk a little bit about that in a few minutes, but you certainly want to make sure that your email is not giving too much away about you or looking unprofessional. So moving into something that's a little bit controversial, it is, I don't suggest people putting their address on their resume. And this, this has a few benefits and downsides. Certainly, I think people are used to seeing addresses and if you're filling an application and ask for it, you're going to, have to put it. That's just kind of the way it is. You don't want to leave an application incomplete. Resumes are different because we, we formulate them how we want. So the reason I don't suggest putting your address on a resume is it leaves room for discrimination. I'm from St. Louis and... We always like to say, you know, you meet someone new, oh, what high school did you go from to? What that does is gives people the opportunity to know what area you grew up in, what kind of school you went to. Well, same thing. If I put my address on my resume, the person who is looking to hire can look and be like, oh, this person lives too far. There's no way they would ever want to work here. I'm not interested. And we had that issue with my wife. When I took this job, I moved to St. Louis with my family. Before we moved, though, my wife was looking for a job. And we'd get no calls for a super qualified person. And when we would get calls, the very rare occasion that it happened, we would get things like, you know this job's in St. Louis, right? Uh, and so that would throw people off. So I think one of the tricks we could do would have done with her is take her address off her resume. In addition, it, it expands in a bad way too. So on the screen, um, you can see that there is two examples. It's my name, Keith Worland, 123 Main Street, Beverly Hills, California, and Keith Worland, 1234 Main Street, Ferguson, Missouri. And these are both great, you know, locations, right? For different reasons. They're, but they're going to strike different feelings depending who you are, right? Uh, when I thought of Beverly Hills, the first thing I thought of was someone that grew up 
very rich, right? Mansions and palm trees and kind of that California uh, personality. That might not be true. You know, I'm sure Beverly Hills has people that have low income as well, right? But there is that stigma associated with it. Or the other one is Ferguson, Missouri, right? One, two, three, four, Main Street, Ferguson, Missouri. Which, uh, being from St. Louis, is a great community. It is, there's some great businesses over there. My grandma lived over there. However, on a national scale, Ferguson typically draws the thoughts of the protest and everything associated with that incident. And in fact, if you Google it, if you look at Google Images, that's all that comes up. It's not how beautiful the community is, the amazing community college that's associated with it, how centrally located it is. None of that stuff's going to come up. It's going to be the Ferguson riots. And so we don't want to use that address to as kind of a way to be discriminated against. And that's why I suggest you don't put your address on your resume. The other two things up there at the very top is your email address. As I said, use your legal name. If you're just truly against whatever your legal name is and you go by something else, just make sure it sounds professional. You're using an email for your email, excuse me. You're going to want to use, uh, as I said, basically your legal name. You can do it, flip it back and forth, right? So mine can be Worland Keith or Keith Worland. If you have a super common name, if that's like Bill Smith, for example, you may have to throw some numbers on the back of that, you know, Bill Smith 001 at excite.com just to have a unique one that, you know, they'll allow you to have. And then you want to avoid nicknames here too. Emails have always been kind of fun to me for to look at for resumes. You learn a lot about people. You know, you might get horsegirl at gmail.com. And, you know, you, you learn that they like horses or cupcake queen or whatever the case might be. But it also says something very different. Uh, you can get some bad ones as well. Spellings or um, things that aren't appropriate. And so I, I always really suggest just using your legal name. And uh, I think it's what most employers kind of expect as well. Um, you just got to make sure just like your phone number and voicemail, you got to check it. The other trick, again, is we talked about the high school situation and the situation with your address. If you're looking to work in a very specific area, let's say you are a waitress or waiter in a low-income area, you're wanting to move up into a more affluent uh, restaurant, I would probably get a Google Voice number, which is totally free, put my area code as in that area. As I said, for someone that lives in St. Louis, generally when I see area codes, I go, oh, someone from you know St. Charles is calling me, or someone from Arnold's calling me, or someone from the city is calling me. You can kind of tell based on the area code. And so I want to just kind of continue that like anonymity about where I live and get that. And it's that it's, it's a Google Voice, it's totally free, which is cool, and you'll be able to also filter it that way, you'll know um, kind of what it's going on. And you can set up a personal uh, greeting that way too, um, something a little bit more specific for a job hunter. And you really want to make sure that you have a professional voicemail. You know, that's another one that I was, was entertained by and got voicemails. Um, some of them were kind of funny, some were pretty unprofessional, a whole lot of them just weren't set up. Get, get that voicemail set up, that's huge. As, as an employer, I want to be able to quickly communicate with you, tell you what I'm thinking, give me a call back, and if you call me back, I'll give you, you know, some time. If you don't call me back, you go into the recycle bin. And that's, is for, you know, two lines, that was a whole lot of talk about uh, our name, phone number, and address. And it's that important, and it's so subdued that the reality is no one will even notice a, re you know, a really good one, but they will notice notice a bad one. So make sure you get that right. The bulk of our resume now is going to be experience, right? Job title, start date, end date, job responsibilities, things like that. And this is uh, 
this is where a lot of people get lost because like we were taught to write in English, we used full sentences, we like to use a lot of details, and we've accomplished a lot, right? You've, whatever you've done at your job, you, you've probably done it very well. That's why you're looking to move up and uh, we want to put a lot about it. And so it can be counterintuitive to what you really need to do in this section. So to start with, in this section, we've already done our brainstorming, right? We've got all kinds of stuff already put on there, way more than a page. And we've got to reduce it down to get everything within that page for the entire resume. Um, so now is the time to start cutting that stuff. If you have jobs that are super long ago that are not relevant, then I would take it off, right? So I work for not-for-profits. That's what I've done. That's what I've done what feels like for a lifetime. And before that, though, I did work at Target. And it doesn't necessarily apply to what I'm doing. I've done what I've done for 20 years now. And Target's just not necessary. So on my resume, when I'm applying for not-for-profit jobs... Target's not on there. Um, and that's absolutely okay because it was so long ago, it doesn't apply. It doesn't show a gap in my employment history. It doesn't create anything weird like that. So that's that falls off for me. Um, you can cut things out of your job responsibility that do not match the job you're applying for. So if you are applying to be a construction worker, manning the fry machine at McDonald's is probably not a real desirable thing, or at least something they care about. They, they I wouldn't say desirable, but something they don't really care about, right? Construction and hirers. So what I would do is I would either make sure that was super short, just kind of one line, or I'd remove it completely and just put, you know, more things that are going to fit the construction. Because you did some of that stuff at McDonald's, believe it or not, or wherever you worked. You've just got to make it fit. If that is, you know, for construction, I would focus on any safety monitoring or procedures you have done at McDonald's or wherever you work. Or any measurements you might have had to take. Or any additional responsibility you may have had outside the norm, like training. Uh, if you're training people, that would be huge. So I would focus on that and try to cut things. They're also obvious that if you work at McDonald's, I'm generally going to believe that you probably know how to make fries. Um, and then uh, I, I would really I said, really try to shorten them. The, the more that doesn't apply to the job, if you have other stuff that does, I would shorten the ones that don't apply and then lengthen the ones that do. So at that point, you've kind of gotten it down to the sentences that you want. You've got, you know, the items that you want on there. So now it's time to break each sentence down. And I will tell you right now, the last step of this should definitely be two or three other people that are not you to take a look at it. Um, just look for grammar and stuff like that. After you've looked at this enough, it's just going to run together. You're not going to see it. So have someone look at it, make sure that it makes sense to them. And uh, that'll be that last step. But for now, you're going to be the editor, right? You're going to go line by line and you're going to read it. You're going to try to remove things like the word I, me. You're going to try to add buzzwords, you know, words that are really common in the industry that you may want to see and the really common words that you may see on a resume. I've got a list of those. Truthfully, you can Google them, but I have a list a little bit later on in this. Clean up spelling and grammar. Grammar. This is a really big deal. To me, I probably wouldn't notice it as a hiring person. And if I did notice it, it was a red flag because I'm so bad at grammar. I was like, oh my goodness, if I can find this, this is there's others in here. So get that all cleaned up. And, and there are those people out there that are just fanatics about everything being spelled correctly. So you want to make sure you, you appease them. And then remove items that do not fit your career goal. Back to that of 
anything that doesn't make a lot of sense or doesn't really fit into that career goal set. If you're wanting to go into daycare work, right, you want to be a teacher, any of those things, uh, you'd really focus on the human side of things on your resume versus the mechanical. And if you're going to go into labor, focus more on the mechanical. And so you want to remove whatever you're not doing. I said, my background is more into not-for-profit and dealing with people. So uh, I said, at Target, the fact that I dealt with digital cameras before they were cool is kind of irrelevant. Uh, Same thing with like Steak and Shake. I worked at Steak and Shake for a while in high school. Those things kind of fell off. So I got some examples for you of ways to change sentences. Again, this is kind of a McDonald's scenario. If you're wondering why I talk so much about McDonald's, as I have a three and soon to be five year old, and I feel like that's about the only meal we eat out is Happy Meal. So uh, <laughs> I guess McDonald's is my go-to for that. But I've got an example. So I was in charge of taking out the trash at McDonald's, right? So. There's nothing wrong with that sentence as far as I'm concerned, as far as like if I were to post that on Facebook or tell somebody, right? However, for a resume, I want to wordsmith this. The cool part of resumes is they're not live, so it gives you an opportunity to edit. And so the I was in charge of taking out the trash, I'd remove the word I. If it's a resume, I know it's yours. I know you were the one that did it. You wouldn't put like Bill took out the trash, right? This is your resume. So I would, I would remove I. Was doesn't really fit because you've removed I. And I don't really love past tense in resumes. So I like to remove those whenever possible. It's not always possible. But it's most of the time it is. Charge of. That's a great buzzword. You can replace it with something a little bit better, a little bit stronger. And then taking out the trash. I can shorten this and change it to make it more of an industry uh, appropriate word. So I was in charge of taking out the trash can be returned to responsible for trash management. A much cleaner, smoother resume sound. If the person on the other end, the, the employer, doesn't know what that means, they can ask you. But it shows a very polished resume when you do stuff like that. The next example, I took people's orders. Something very common at McDonald's. Maybe this is you're going into another customer service field, so this is what you want to let them know that you did. Again, I would remove the word I, uh, remove that took, the, the past tense of it. People, the word people is not something you'd use professionally at any job, right? Or at least any job I can think of, right? So, their clients, their participants, their members, their guests, their customers. There's a lot of different words that we use in our industry, but none of them are people. So I would replace that to be correct. If I was applying somewhere like the Y, for example, which I worked a long time at, I know they call them members. And so if I could switch things to members, if it was appropriate, obviously McDonald's doesn't have members, but if I could change to members, I would do that. If I was working, I think Chick-fil-A calls them guests. Uh, so if I was going to Chick-fil-A, I'd call them guests. Um, if I was applying to work at our empowerment, they're called participants. And so I'd probably change it to participants there. It may not be, and you'd want to do it throughout the whole resume, not just this, but whatever word you choose, if it's people, guests, just keep it consistent. It'd be really confusing for one section to be like, I worked at, you know, um, the Y and here are the members and I worked at our empowerment. Here's the participants. Just, just pick one and stay consistent. And then finally, uh, the last word is order. Easy way to expand to a buzzword, make it sound more polished. So I, the, the sentence was, I took people's orders and I changed it to assisted customers in placing their order and customer service. And I tried to work customer service in there. It's a big buzzword. Um, as a employer, I want to find people that are good at customer service. It's something that's very hard to teach. It's something that comes natural to people. And so I want to make sure that if I am putting this, if I'm looking for somebody as an employer, I want to make sure that they're good at it. And I feel like if you're putting it on a resume, regardless if you are or not, you can show that you believe it is important. And I think that will be noticed. 
The next sentence, I delivered food to people in the drive-thru. Another common job, but we can change it and we can update it and clean it up, right? So again, removing the word I, changing delivered food to some kind of buzz statement. The word people needs to be replaced to industry term and then kind of cleaned up in the drive through that, that terminology. So I changed it to quickly and cheerfully served customers their orders. So yeah, so I I changed, uh, I deliver food to people in the drive-thru to quickly and cheerfully served customers their orders. So just kind of cleaning it up. It's more of what you'd expect when you see. Another thing that I think a lot of people forget to put on their resume is when their boss kind of throws a new person underneath them and says, hey, just follow this person or show them how things work. That's huge for an employer to see. You're showing that they trusted you enough to train somebody else. And so I think those type of things should definitely make your resume. Um, For this, again, I removed the word I, changed the new people to uh, the proper industry term and cash register. Just try to change it to something that be more industry related. So I changed, I train new people on the cash register to train new employees on company systems. Again, just a little more polished and we kind of got there and it's going to look just a little different. So here's the buzzwords we were talking about. There are like lists of 200 to 500 of these. Just be aware that they exist. Uh, These are not the most complete list ever that I'm looking at right now, but you want to make sure that you're using them because as an employer, you're kind of expecting them. And so when you start getting words that are not in this it's kind of a flag and honestly these buzzwords are also things that i want to see that you've done and if if you haven't done them don't say that you did but just kind of look through it the other thing though is you can accidentally use the wrong word try to be over overly smart uh if you said you oversaw fry making at mcdonald's i don't know i'd be kind of entertained by that but I, I think it's not 100% factual. You probably made fries. You didn't oversee it. You didn't coordinate the making of fries. You know, I'd probably leave it off and just try to find something that it did fit better. So make sure that the words you're using actually make sense and that you're just not trying to hype something up because the odds are they're going to ask you about it. And if you say something really cool, like I hired 10,000 employees or I hired two employees, they're going to ask you about it. And generally speaking, uh, I, I can, as someone that's hired a lot of people, I can smell BS. So make sure that you're honest and make sure that you're using the correct words and definitely Google buzzwords when you are working on your resume. The other section, and I think this might be the hardest section because typically you run out of room and you want to squeeze all kinds of things into this. But the other sections, education and training, awards, volunteer history, and service clubs. If you are sitting here thinking, oh God, I don't have any of those things, I would start right now trying to get them. This is where people can separate themselves and saying, hey, I am a really good person and I really care about my community, so I'm active in it. Whatever that means to you. So volunteering, it looks amazing on a resume. It really does. I would, I highly recommend doing it, not just because it's, because it looks good on a resume because it's the right thing to do if you have time to do it. So, but but I always am entertained for volunteering. Make sure it's current. I'd get people that were like, well, I worked this event 20 years ago once. And, and that looks kind of goofy, honestly, and, and kind of makes me annoyed that you'd bring it up. Unless it was some kind of true memory or event that you really need to talk about, I, I would just take it off. I would avoid putting political vo- volunteering or word it in a manner that doesn't show... Any party affiliations, we know that there are specifically restaurants, but there are other things out there that are really involved in politics. You know, we know Chick-fil-A and Hobby Lobby are conservative organizations. We know that uh, 
Ben and Jerry's is a very uh, liberal organization. And so regardless of how you feel, you probably still want the job because you're applying there. You, you don't want to turn them off because you're the opposite party. So I, I always avoid party affiliations on a resume. If for some reason you feel like what you did was really valuable in that, I would try to find a way to strip it down so there's no party affiliation in it. If it was just worked for a, um, a re-election campaign and just kind of left it at that. Be honest about your role in any volunteer because if you volunteered somewhere, I, I as an employer, I want to talk to them. I want to hear about who you are outside of your job. How hard of a worker were you? When you were working for free, what were you, you know, who were you? And so if you come in and tell me that you were the head of the uh, adoption organization's volunteer group and you adopted a thousand animals, I'm definitely going to call them and ask them about that. That's really cool. And then I'll be disappointed if they're like, well, I don't know who they are. And I saw, but their name's in the books. So they must have been here. Just, just be honest. And, you know, the other thing is you can absolutely use your church, your school, your kids' sports teams, your kids' clubs, your any involvement if you're a room parent. All those are great things to put. You just have to wordsmith them correctly, but I think that those are great things. With churches, um, kind of like political organizations, they can draw a lot of opinions and passion. So I, I would try to keep it somewhat vague if possible, um, especially if you work for each or, or volunteered, excuse me, for a church that draws passion. Uh, if you volunteered for the Church of Latter-day Saints or something like that, a uh, Church of Scientology, people have a lot of opinions about those things. And so you just want to be careful uh, exactly what you put. But if you worked, you know, the church homeless shelter or the church's food bank or whatever the case might be, definitely put that stuff on there. It's it's gold. It's resume gold. Awards. You know, look look at awards that can really connect you to what you did, right? Or what you want to do. So as an employer, if I see someone that got a perfect attendance award, that's something I'm going to like, right? Because I, I want someone with good attendance. I want to know that they have that capability of being an excellent, you know, attendance person. Uh, team captain shows leadership, Um Things like employee of the month show that you were a great employee and that they valued you enough to give you an award. So I'm looking for things that the employer can connect to me being an outstanding employee. And I want to make sure it's time relevant too, right? So being out of high school for 20 plus years, I probably had a perfect attendance award or some kind of student of the month award. Doesn't make a lot of sense for me to put it on at this point in my career. But if I was just out of high school, it would totally make sense to put that on there. You want to also look for awards and organizations that you volunteered in or have been a part of to put in here. These are things that are going to connect you to the employer, right? So in high school or college or outside of either, if you were in a fraternity and the other person was in the fraternity, there's an instant connection there, right? You can you have some kind of link outside of this interview that you can talk about, and they're totally going to bring it up. And the reality is, if you put your, I don't, wasn't a part of fraternity, but if you put your like Delta, Chi, something or another, and they were, um, they're going to be excited to talk to you about it, and it's going to give you a leg up. But organizations like Boy Scouts and Girl Scouts are a good example. I've been out of Boy Scouts since I was 18, and I still put the fact that I was in it. I, I was an Eagle Scout, and that's a big award, and... It connects me to other Eagle Scouts. And honestly, as a person that interviewed, 
people, I'd love to see Eagle Scouts come through. We could talk about their Eagle Scout project, talk about some camping. It was a great connector for me to them, and it always got me excited. Same thing, I worked at a place called Camp Lakewood, hired hundreds of people a year, and... If I saw it on someone's resume, I'd get really excited and want to talk to them about it. So sometimes it's just that little door that opens. If you're not currently involved in a social service organization, if you're not currently involved in volunteering, there are organizations out there, Kiwanis, Rotary, two of the big uh, Lions, Knights of Columbus. You know, there's like four big ones out there. They're typically pretty cheap to join. So I would highly recommend do that. It's going to get you connected to the organization within your community it's going to be a networking opportunity you might be able to find a job in fact i am i'm in kiwanis and you know one of the guys is really active as the hiring manager at the waffle house so there, there's that connection as well and then you get that social service organization someone to put on your resume and kind of jazz it up and a lot of those organizations you know are an hour a week two hour or excuse me an hour a month if that so great way to connect yourself and get something on the resume and then the final thing is awards. Avoid things that kind of upset interviewers or could potentially upset interviewers. Uh, I like to think of things like being getting an award from the NRA, the Democratic or Republican organizations, or pro-choice or pro-life organizations. Those are kind of examples. I'm sure there's hundreds of them out there. But these things don't necessarily always jive well. So if I was really anti-gun, I wouldn't want to see something, you know, might be upset if I saw something from the NRA. Or if I was a hardcore Republican, I may not want to see that you received an award from the Democratic Party. Try to focus on, you know, being non-political on these, unfortunately. Now, if you are looking for a job within the NRA, right? Or within the pro-choice or pro-life movement, and you're involved in it, you want that front and center. You want them to know that, hey, I've been an NRA member for 20 years, or I've been, you know, marching for pro-life or pro-choice for 10 years, or whatever the case might be. I would front and center with that stuff. But if you're not applying for that job, I would definitely back off of it and kind of either try to word it in a way that kind of hides the political affiliation or just not put it on. Education, as you get older, this becomes less and less important. Every year, uh, you know, when I first graduated college, I had my high school and my college, and there are details about both of them. I think at this point, if I'd write a resume, it would probably just list my college and be just like, Fontbonne University, early child education, graduated. Nothing too exciting um, just because I believe as you get older my I'm more concerned as an employer about your past what you've really done what are you gonna do for me right I, you may if you have a job that has to check a certain box so you have to have a high school diploma you have to have a GED you know they're gonna look for that box check now let me see as an employer what I'm getting out of you that middle section right the experience what are you bringing to the party and so I, I don't overly worry about it unless you're fresh out of high school or within let's say five or 10 years of high school. I, I don't, again, I don't necessarily recommend putting the date you graduated. If I told you I graduated in 1960, if I told you I graduated in 1980, if I graduated in 2000, what is this, 2020, it's going to tell you different things about me, right? It's going to tell you my age or roughly, because most of us graduate around the time we're 18. And so it's, it's a chance to discriminate for all the wrong reasons, right? If you have, there seems to be an anti-millennial thing that's out there. And so if I say I'm a 2020 graduate, you can assume that I'm a millennial and all those stereotypes that go with it. And if I say I graduated in 1960, you can be like, oh, he's 
he's going to retire. You know, we're, we're not going to have him for long term. And we don't want to avoid, we want to avoid those things. They're not true, and we don't want to be discriminated against about it. So don't put your don't put the graduation date again. If they ask for it on the application, go ahead and put it. I hate blank spaces, but for a resume, it's not necessary. Again, for college, same thing, kind of same basic thing. Don't put the dates unless you're required to. And again, I go back to I don't list list a location necessarily, depending on where you're from. If you went somewhere prestigious, uh, as we're from St. Louis, and so. Private schools are a really big deal here. If you went to one of those, I would list it. If you are applying to a job that is in that area. So I grew up in Fenton, Missouri. If I were to apply for a job in Fenton, uh, I would put Fenton, Missouri on it uh, as far as, or Rockwood Summit, excuse me, would be the, the high school I graduated from, just so that they could see my connection to the community. However, if I'm back out talking, you know, trying to get out of my zip code into another zip code or into another state, probably where I leave it out. Uh, or if I feel like my school has a reason to be discriminated against, probably leave it out and just put high school diploma achieved or something like that. And that kind of brings me full circle to my last point. And this this could be the biggest and most important thing. So if anybody gets anything out of this to anybody that's listening, is be honest. Be absolutely 100% honest with whatever you are talking about on the resume, during the interview, on the phone. I'm always amazed. When, when someone gets the interview process with me, I'm always amazed just that people think that they're going to fool full interviewer right that you know they can say oh i speak spanish and the truth is they can count to 10 or they could in high school or you know they said they managed people and the truth is they didn't or maybe they were more of a team captain that people looked up to them or maybe they just did it once make sure it's honest because if you're going to lie to me during an application process i'm going to assume you're going to lie to me during just about anything else and so I want to make sure that this process is completely and totally authentic. This is kind of like dating, I guess. You are looking for the good, bad, and ugly in everyone. And if lying is the ugly, they're going to be not very interested. And I think that would be just generally kind of sad uh, to lose a job just because you tried to bulk your resume up with something that didn't really exist. So be honest, it's going to pay off. And I think that in general, you need to look at the job hunting as dating. As I said, again, it's a two-way street. So as an employer, my job is to figure out if you are the correct person for me, right? Are you going to do what I need you to do so that I don't have to fire you, so that I don't have to do it? Or are you going to be the wrong person? Are you not going to be able to fulfill a task? Are you going to not show up on time? As a person looking for a job, you got to make sure this job's right for you, right? And you don't want to be drug into a situation where you're given a job and they're like, hey, we need you to speak Spanish and you don't speak Spanish. Or uh, you can task you can't do or things you don't understand where you end up being let go of. Just not because you're not a good person, just because you're not the right person for the job. So I would highly recommend being 100% honest the entire time throughout the entire resume through the interview it's gonna win for everyone that's that's my soapbox on that particular subject